Hello, and welcome to Tea Time Theology. I'm your host, Mariah Wakande, and today's guest is Dennis Lafreniere. Welcome, Dennis. Well, thank you very much, Mo. I, I, I feel honored to be here with you today. I'm very excited, too. Oh, good. I'm also very excited to have you here. Um, a quick little overview. We'll be talking about two groups you're involved in that are theater and music groups, and I do a lot of theater and music, so very excited. Um, before we get into it, did you prepare a quote or a saying that you like to live your life by? We have a quote that we quite often do in Fisherman's Follies, and it, um, it, it, it was, it's nothing scriptural from the Bible, but it, it truly became our theme. And what we're, we're dedicated to is spreading the love and the message of God through music and laughter. Mm, that's beautiful. And that, you know, is right aligned with the stuff we're going to talk about today. It is. So, before we get into Fisherman Follies, I was wondering, how did you find God in the Episcopal Church? Oh, the, well, and that ties into what, much of what we're, we're talking about today. Um, I was raised an Episcopalian, so in Rhode Island, to be, uh, you know, to be correct. And, um, you know, I, I attended church because my mom and dad brought me to church, and, and I was... Uh, I always felt connected in a way to the point that um, when I was 11 years old, I was allowed to give the sermon in our church. And, and what a, a, you know, a feeling that was to, to, you know, speak the word of God or speak about God and, and have people, um, you know, get anything from it. And, and um, as I grew older, I grew away from the church. And, and, and later in life, I uh, married and we had children. And I, um, we wanted them to be raised uh, with a relationship with God. So we came back to the Episcopal Church. And uh, it was there that we, um, I just attended basically and um, listened. And um, one Sunday they asked me if I would be willing to teach Sunday school. And um, I reluctantly said yes, because I'm not a teacher and uh, know nothing about teaching. And I knew very little about God actually at the time, but I was willing to do it. And it was through that, that I, my love and my relationship with God started to grow in telling the stories of the Bible. And the, more than that, the people that are in the Bible and the situations that the people were in and explaining that to somebody, God just started to, to, to manifest himself in my heart. And, uh, and it's been that way for 25 years now. Wow, that's beautiful. Um... I was also raised in the Episcopal Church. I'm what is known as a cradle Episcopalian. <laughs> um, and I was also raised in a really small church with a small congregation. So there's all these opportunities to like get involved. So, you know, you giving a sermon at 11 is, you know, crazy, but also super cool. And something I love about the Episcopal Church is kind of like anybody who is willing, ready to like get on up here. Let's give it a go. <laughs> um, cool. So you were teaching Sunday school and it sounds like that started to evolve into fishermen Follies. So for me and for everyone listening, can you give us a little bit of what that is? That is exactly where it started to evolve. Um, over the years, we taught a curriculum that 
the church had. And, and then I stumbled upon a, a curriculum called Fish Eyes. And what Fish Eyes were, it was 15 short video segments that we would show to the, our class, and then we would discuss it. And after I taught this for about two years, I started to think this would work as a play. This would work as a 90-minute production, a, a two-person production. And, and so this is where things are going to get weird. Um, you can believe me if you'd like, or you cannot believe me. It, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I remember thinking on it one day and praying on it, and a, a voice said, like, if somebody was standing in the back of the room and spoke, you would hear it in your head. And the voice said to me, I want you to do this. And I remember in my head, seeing it was going on in my head, I said, I don't want to. And the voice said, no, I want you to do this. And I said, but I don't know how to do this. I wasn't involved in theater. I didn't know how to act. I didn't do no, know how anything. And the voice literally said to me, I will give you everything you need. And um, so I just went, okay, I, I, I guess so. And, and I, I got, I called the people who wrote the book and they said, wow, thank you for calling because we have a script to go along with this series and we'd be happy to, you know, share it with you. And I got it and I started looking for somebody else to be the other role with myself. And that person came up and um, uh, then we searched around more and Dante, Dante Tavolaro was a high school student. on with you and give you the instruction you need to to do a play and the other person in my head knew somebody in his office who um did lighting and we said well what wow, this is wonderful you know it turned out the person that did lighting was 10 years old oh my goodness. That, that was his love so you know who am i to question god you know it, it, god gives us strange people, strange situations in, in all of these aspects got together and we worked and we rehearsed and uh, we got it together and we sold out a church hall for two days in a row. And uh, it was absolutely an amazing thing. And, and that, if, if anything, showed me what God, who God uses and how God uses them. Mm. And when was this and what was the show? Yeah, that was a show called Fish Eyes, and we did it in 2007. Wow. And uh, what Fish Eyes basically was, was Andrew and Peter, as they interact with Jesus, and, and you know, in, in um, obviously the biblical time, but you never saw Jesus. Jesus was always just off stage. So we would speak and you would understand what Jesus said by our reaction to his statement. So we would look off stage and we would say, you want us to feed them? Um, with what? And then we would have a reaction and we would say, oh, you, you want us to, to get it from them? So the the relationship and then there were many times where it was Andrew and Peter I played the role of Peter who would talk to each other about what had transpired and the the wonderful thing I get pretty emotional when I when I talk about this yeah. the, the, the great thing about it was in 
terms of Jesus' relationship with two people who had most of the time no idea what he was talking about. They just followed him for a reason. That when they met on the beach and, and, and they were fishing and Jesus said, follow me, um, Peter's very reluctant in the play. Peter doesn't buy into this. Andrew buys into it immediately and says, we need to follow this guy. There's something about him. And me as Peter, I, I'm very reluctant to go. But as the play goes on and we start doing things with Jesus and going places with Jesus, I buy into it 100%. And Andrew then becomes very cautious because Andrew sees where this is going, where I am 100% in Jesus. You can count on me for everything until the time came for him to count on me for everything. And I then denied I even knew him. So it goes, there's it's 15 different scenes and they're quite funny. Um, uh, do you want me to keep going on about this? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm enthralled. <laughs> the, there, there's one particular scene where I, Peter, Andrew and I are together and I tell Andrew that the talk he gave on the hill was absolutely amazing. And Andrew says, yes, I took my book with me and I wrote some things now. And I tell Andrew, I didn't have to, I have it all right up here. I locked it up in my head. I have it here, ticker lock. And Andrew says, well, then I'll test you on it. And he opens the book and I turns out, I don't know a single thing about it, but I just wow. keep, I keep asking him for the next word. And then I bluff him through the next word. And it, the scene is absolutely hilarious. And it ends with the Lord's prayer. And, um, you know, we, we've had priests tell us who are in the audience that that scene alone, because it starts with such laughter and ends with such love, it brings you to tears. It, it, it will bring you to tears in that, in that scene alone. So um, in, the, in the play goes on through the crucifixion and the resurrection. Um, it, it's an amazing play. It's amazing because it's just two people and there you never see Jesus, you know, but you know he's there. And I mean, how much is that, <laughs> you know, how much is that like real, real life? You know, how many of us really see Jesus, but we all know he's there. So, Yeah. And I see you, you know, getting emotional while you're talking about it and you know, talking about the reactions that clergy members and other people in the audience have. And so, you know, I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit more about how producing these performances, you know, how it informs your understanding and your own relationship with God and, and what it does for others who are watching. Right. It, and it was very nice that we began with fish eyes because fish eyes gave me a very direct relationship with God. As we moved through some other plays that we did, I got a much wider understanding of that, of, of the entire relationship of God and Jesus, you know, man, uh, and manifest in, in man. And um, we did another play called Creation Chronicles, where we began with creation of God and the angel Gabriel discussing man. And that for me um, opened my mind to, to the like how great and how big God is, that, that it, it, God is the universe. God created all of these things, all these things that link together in ways that we don't even have an understanding. And, and, and 
we as people in Creation Chronicles, it keeps it tells the story of the Tower of Babel. It tells the story of Adam and Eve. It it tells the story of Cain and Abel, and it tells these stories how we seem to take it askew. We seem to, as sinners, we seem to um, get it wrong at times, and we seem to, and and God just keeps fixing it. God just keeps bringing, it. and and that's those. It's those lessons for me personally when I see these, and and I work with actors, and so I have to tell the actor, or sometimes because I direct all this stuff too, mm-hmm. I have to direct them in a way that they feel that also. Um, in Creation Chronicles, one of the stories was uh, Moses coming back to find the Israelites in a whooping potty. And Aaron has a potty hat on and he's got a, a, a horn and, and he has to answer to Moses why this is going on. And one of the things I wanted to get from Moses, I wanted to tap on the love where he had just spent time. He had spent time with God and he comes back to people. And I wanted to tap on an anger in him. And we were able to do that. And, and, and that was for me to, to get to do that just like shows like how powerful God is and, you know, his, what his relationships are with us as human people. And, you know, who's in the audience at these things? Um, I imagine there's a lot of people that, you know, also go to your church here. This is at Emmanuel in Cumberland, right? Yeah. And so I'm, I imagine these take place at Emmanuel Church. Well, I'm glad you asked. (laughs) (laughs) Because one of the fun things about this and being an Episcopalian is we have been almost all over Rhode Island. We've been to St. James, both of them. Um, We've been to St. Paul's. Um, We've been to Catholic churches. We've been to a Methodist church in Cumberland. We went to an evangelical church in East Providence. We have taken this message and this, this way of telling God's story to lots and lots of different venues. Um, you know, there, there, there's a lot of humor in, in these particular playwrights that we do. And one of the fun things for the actors and myself is when we go through it, there's a lot of biblical humor that you will only understand if you understand the story. So when we do our lines and we tell our stories, we listen. And we can hear all of a sudden when we do a joke that only a priest would get, we hear the, <laughs> you know, hear the, the subtle laughter, you know, of, you know, um, when I'm telling him of the, the um, transfiguration, I tell him Elijah shows up on a mountain and Andrew's uh, response to me when I tell him that is, goes, imagine that. He goes, we've been setting a place for him at the table all this time and he shows up on a mountain. You know, <laughs> If you don't understand what that means, you wouldn't understand the joke. Um, so that's that's all. But we have been, we've been, we do quite a few at Emmanuel, um, and and we we really enjoy taking this to other congregations and to other people and to you know share this, the, share the laughter, share this laughter in these stories. This is that that is it. That you know there are. We, I believe we believe. Sometimes there are so many people who just, you know, don't, yeah, I really don't read the Bible because, you know, I don't get it or it's boring or it's this. And we'll, we'll, we'll make you laugh and, and 
you know, we'll show you, you know, we'll show you the love of God through laughter, you know, and then a lot of people said, I've gone back and I read that. I read the Tower of Babel because we never understood it like that. And in our, our version of the Tower of Babel, our two repairmen, two people building it up on the top, and they both speak different languages. Yet they, they both speak the same language, yet they don't understand each other with the terminology they use. And then God interferes in the form of lightning they then don't understand each other. And it, it's, a, it's hilarious how they don't understand each other. And, um, and then people went back and said, well, I read the real story later because you, you made that story so interesting. I wanted to see what it was like. And I think that's what is so powerful about theater. Um, that's why it exists, I, I think, for, for all reasons. I mean, it's, it's a way to teach lessons. It's a way to give a voice to the voiceless. And it's a way to make concepts, make ideas more accessible to people, make them believable by people. Um, so, you know, to take these stories that we may or may not know, you know, I, yeah, I'm a cradle alien. I've been going to church for the majority of my life, but I couldn't tell you what happens in these stories. I couldn't name you like famous stories in the Bible, maybe outside of like Adam and Eve. Um, so then to be able to go and see a show and have it explained to me with humor and with um, emotion to see to see it played out, um, it can have a really powerful effect. It can start a conversation with God um, that you know, may have never been started had you not, you know, been able to receive him in that way. So I think it's great. My family's always said that God has a sense of humor. Oh, yeah. absolutely. There, there is so much. There, there is, um, uh, and, and these writers are particular, two, um, two writers from Pennsylvania, and um, and they're they're they do an excellent job, I believe, in tying humor in. But they don't lose. There's never a um, there's never a bad joke, you know. There's never humor at God's expense, you know. It's it's always humor at the um, at the, the the root of the story, because the root of the story to us might have an element of humor that we're afraid to laugh at. You know, and that's where it comes out. You know, the fact that um, we believe that the 12 apostles were, you know, had educations and, and biblical degrees. No, they didn't. They were no different than you. And if you think you need a, to be a priest or you need to have a degree to understand God's word and feel God's word, then I think I think they are the ones that are wrong. You know, it, it's 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 people who, you know, hear these stories and feel them in their hearts. That, that that's I think what God and in you know in 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 the the plays Creation Chronicles actually ends with uh, the story of Noah, and it ends with um, it ends with God coming to the conclusion that he cannot create something and then be apart from it. In order for him to create it and it to be what he wanted it to be, he needed to be part of it. 
he needed to be with man. And at the end of Creation Chronicles, God thinks for a minute. He lights a candle and then he, he gives Gabriel a certain job and then he leaves. And on, the only thing the audience sees is the candle, which represents the light of Christ. And, and then that then takes up with the next play called Dovetail, which is the story of the nativity, where, where that is my favorite play. That, that is the one of all the plays we do that. And I play the angel Gabriel because I had to, I had a bicker with God to get the job to go tell Mary that she was going to bear the Christ child. And he didn't want me to do it at first because of the, what happened to Isaiah. Um, He, he didn't want me to do it because uh, with the Isaiah and the wrestling and the hip thing, you know, he, you know, but I talked him into it. And that's how Dovetail begins is with me, um, me showing up at the, um, at Mary's apartment. And Dovetail is the story of the nativity done more or less today. So when I show up to Mary and I tell her where I come from, who I am, and God has chosen her, she can't believe it she can't believe it and um eventually i do convince her that god needs a safe place to stop and he has chosen you and i tell her some reasons why he's telling her and then mary then goes to her a dinner with her fiance as they're planning their marriage very soon and she tells him that she's pregnant but she didn't do anything wrong she didn't sleep anybody with anyone and then Joseph's reaction to this is where the play then starts to go. And, and I mean, I, I'll, you know, I would ask the average girl or guy on the street, if you're, you're planning your wedding and your fiance tells you you're pregnant, what are you going to do with that? You know, and Joseph leaves as, he, as it says in the Bible. And then he, and then I appear to Joseph in the dream, we wrestle and I convince Joseph to go back and marry her which he does and that's so it's and then it goes through the whole delivery of the baby Jesus and and there's lots of laughs and there's lots because there's lots of characters there's two hilarious shepherds that I appear to because in the bible he appears to shepherds the only problem is these shepherds are not the brightest shepherds in the world <laughs> and, and they get the message all wrong and I'm trying to correct it with them and um and then there's the innkeeper and there's so many great scenes. And in that play, I'm fortunate to play Gabe, the angel Gabriel. I play the innkeeper. I play um, another person. And, and the root of the play is that I'm involved with everything that had to do with Mary because God never deserted Mary through the entire time. And um, it, it, it's a phenomenal, it's one of my favorite plays. I love hearing you talk about it and all these different stories it's it's making me really emotional and um, I'm feeling really thankful for you being so expressive and open because something that has been really weighing heavily on me during this time is, you know, it's, we've been in a global pandemic now for many months and it feels hard to stay connected to God. Mm. You know, church is closed for a long time and many of them are still close at the time of us recording this and you know i'm just getting so nostalgic for 
for that to be back in my life. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm also getting nostalgic for theater and to go somewhere and to have a communal experience with people. Um, how, this is, this is more of a personal question, but how have you been doing with your faith during such a trying time? You know, how are you, how are you getting through? I need this advice or, or, or your, your perspective. <laughs> it, it is, um, uh, it's been hard as far as theater goes because I did have plans for um, how I wanted to keep Fisherman's Follies doing these stories and doing these plays. I had reached out to another theater group um, and not in the area for scripts and ideas to keep going. And then I wanted to transition to a totally different group of people, you know, just to keep this method going, even though I'm gone, it would keep on going. And and those plans are all been put on hold. Um, What what has me personally is I will tell you that um, God takes really, really good care of me. And, and it has, so I do other things also. One of the other things that I do is video. So I do movies and I do videos. So what I've been work doing and occupying my time with is uh, virtual church. So I've been doing uh, at Emmanuel, I've been filming, we do a morning prayer service, um, like a lot of churches do. And then I edit it and, and I insert prayers and we would then put it up on uh, the Emmanuel webpage for our congregation to, to see. When we were rolling just before, um, just recently, um, it, it, um, we were planning on uh, filming Eucharist service also, and then uh, having that. And then with streaming was coming down the road. Um, so, um, I, I, have been able to focus on that. You know, I know someday I will get back to the theater portion of this. And right now God has provided video, the video world. What I'm working with now is trying to figure out how to incorporate the two. These are incredibly great stories to tell, and I'm trying to, to create a way of do, using video and the theater to provide an offering so people can sit at home and watch these plays also. So I, I, I'm, I'm, per, per, I'm very grateful. I'm, I'm very grateful. Great, okay, I'm just gonna wait for my next question. Oh, there you go. <laughs> the joys of doing the Zoom interview. Well, that's great. I'm really glad that there are still ways for you to be creative, to get the word of God out to people, to you know, try to keep things going as much as possible in this evolving time. Um, I did want to also talk about another group that you're a part of called New Fire. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, New Fire is a... Um, it's a praise band that I play in and <clears throat> to, to, uh, to classify us as a praise band would be to eliminate the evolution and the work of God in our lives. And it wasn't like me and a couple other musicians were idle and had nothing to do. And we thought this would be a wonderful thing. Um, New Fire actually evolved from a group of musicians called Hymns and Hers. Get it? 
hymns mm -hmm. and yeah. prayers. Um, and, and that was the, uh, the um, band of Christ Church in Lonsdale. And back in the in the seventies and the eighties, there was a you know a welcoming of an acoustic guitar in in a church that would normally have organs in the traditional choir, and there was an offering of a, an acoustic guitar. And I believe Emmanuel started with that, and then added musicians and another a guitar and some singers, and they would sing one Sunday a month, and they would provide this offering. Well, to tie in with the the uh, the Fisherman's Folly story. Um, when I came to Emmanuel Church, I would see this group of musicians play once a month. And I have been a musician since I was 13. So I had been playing for about 45 years by that time. And I saw them playing and um, I approached one of the musicians and I, I said, uh, hey, I play guitar too. And uh, he said, well, why don't you bring your guitar? And, and I joined the group and, um, and we played mostly um, traditional hymnal songs just converted to guitar bass and uh, we we actually had about 10 people at the time and um, we did the and we did songs from a book called ooh, I, it's just moved out of my head Glorian glory and praise I believe praise and glory I, I, it's something like that we did songs out of that book well it, you probably probably can detect by this time that I'm not the calmest person, peaceful person in the world. And when I play, I play with the same energy that I do this with. So we soon cracked into the traditional Christian contemporary music, the Chris Tomlin, uh, Crowder, um, all these artists, and, and we seem to do it pretty well. And with that, I was able to, I have been able to do in the Episcopal Church, all the things that I've ever wanted to do, and people seem to accept it, <laughs> and they allow me to be insane, and, and, and I love that, I, I love, so I brought that insanity, or that energy, if you will, to hymns and hers, and it changed a little bit the, 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 the personality of the group to the welcoming of the congregation. So once, one Sunday a month, um, we, hymns and hers, the different style hymns and hers would play. And we did that for quite a long time. And, and eventually we went up to Emmanuel Church and uh, we continued that way. And over time, various musicians, things happen in your life and you, you exit or you different ones came on board and some enter, exit. And, and it just felt like it was time for a change. It was time for a new, a new thing. And uh, one of the priests, Melody Show, uh, at the time suggested that we suggest change the name to New Fire, being the new fire that we, we light at Easter, and that lights the light of Christ throughout the world. And so we adopted New Fire as our name. And um, we've continued from that point on, basically the group currently is, is only four of us. Um, and uh, we do play one Sunday a month. And uh, we've been lucky enough to play at a couple other churches every now and then in the diocese. And um, we got to play the coolest, coolest, coolest thing that I've ever done. It, we got to play Waterfire the night that the Episcopal Diocese um, sponsored it. And um, that is cool. <laughs> it was, I mean, I, you know, you play at church, you play in front of a hundred people and that's 
excellent because there's such a connection. But to play in front of a couple thousand people at Waterfire was uh, an amazing, an amazing experience. Um, you know, I, I hear- Waterfire at Waterfire. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, it, it was, um, you know, I, I hear other musicians and I truly appreciate the fact that other musicians who play popular music these days connect with their audiences and feel that. But when you play music inspired by the word of God or with the love of God, that, that feedback from the audience is um, even on a given Sunday, on a given Sunday that many, many times I often am in tears when I'm playing because of what I feel come back from the congregation, you know, what they give back as we sing to them the so songs of God and songs about God. I love that. And hearing you talk about it, it is inspiring me. It's giving me hope to, you know, keep moving forward and, the, you know, the, that will make it through. You're right. God does take care of us. And he has, he has his relationship with all of us and his plans for all of us. And, and it's part of our job to keep the faith and to keep that hope. Um, so I was wondering, you know, what are your hopes for both Fisherman's Follies and New Fire, you know, if, if and when we ever get to a place in our world again where there's, you know, this 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 may this may sound silly but when we do are able to gather again and do these things i want to go back and visit my old friends i want to go do before i move on i want to do these plays again i want to share these messages and do these because these are basic loving God's love in a message in a play. And I'd like to go back and, and do these plays one more time before I move on to another set of, of plays. Um, I would like to move on to do this type of situation in a video um, aspect too. I'd lo love to get together with a scriptwriter or someone who has a message that I would love to make a short video and Fisherman's Follies could go into a, a video um, production situation. New Fire is just um, dying to get together. We are, we are, you know, um, we miss that so much. You know, we miss that relationship with God and, and we miss that relationship with each other that we can share something with another Christian and, um, and, and experience God that way. I mean, as far as what you just said about, you know, these being tough times and these are, are, are you know, and, and I truly believe this. And I, I think if you read the Bible and you look, there's been many times, there's been tough times for Christians in the Bible, but God has never deserted us. God has never left us alone. He has always been there, you know? So, you know, when we're, when we're sad and when we're, you know, when we're pandemicized, he's still there and he still has his hand on your shoulder you know, so you, you reach out to another Christian, you listen to your podcasts, you do something, and, and, and there you go. Kenneth, thank you so much for, for being on our podcast. You've really brought 
you've brought it. You brought the hope. You brought the the faith. Um, I'm so grateful to have had this time to chat a little bit with you. Me too, Mo. It's been a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Uh, before we officially sign off, do you have any social media or anything you want to plug, either for Emmanuel or for any of these groups? We, just uh, EmmanuelRI.org. That's, um, that's our webpage for Emmanuel Church. And everything that I do, um, digit, uh, video is, is posted there now. There's some new fire there also. And there's, um, you know, there's all the video things that I've been doing uh, that are posted there now. Great. Thank you so much for being on. And, yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to Tea Time Theology. We would like to thank our sponsor, the Episcopal Diocese of Rhode Island, and the Right Reverend Nicholas Nicely. We would like to thank Mario Aconde and Jack Zornado for the music, Taylor Wilkie and Ivy Swinsky, our producers, as well as our guests today. Follow us at Tea Time Theology on all social medias. For the-